We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you Monday night after the Wolves lost in Dallas by two. Final score Mavs 110, Wolves 108. The Wolves have scored 110 points or fewer three times now since the All Star break. They scored 102 against Philly, they scored 110 against Orlando, and tonight 108 against Dallas. Those are the Wolves, of course, three losses since the break. So that means they are 11-0 in the games that they've scored over 110 since the All-Star break. So I think tonight, the main question I have is, you know, what did Dallas do to slow down a Wolves offense that has, you know, largely been potent, not just since the All-Star break, for the but for the past few months? And I think the answer there is that Dallas just had an excellent game plan tonight, something very different than we've really seen all season against the Wolves. I thought the Mavs were audacious in their commitment just to taking Cat out of the game. They'd clearly they'd clearly been watching film on this Wolves team lately and had made a defensive plan clearly focused on stopping what had been working best for the Wolves on offense lately, which, of course, is Cat's ability to drive to the basket. You know, they would press Powell up on Cat on the perimeter, but they also had players in both of the gaps to both Cat's right and another player to Cat's left. And, you know, so if Cat's up, kind of the top of the key or above the break on the right side, they have they have a player who's lingering there to take away the drive if he goes left, or they're loaded up with another player to Cat's left on the block who's there to meet him at the rim if he's going to try and drive by Powell there. And it, it oftentimes just looked like double teaming of Cat on the perimeter. I mean, we've seen plenty of Cat getting doubled in the post this year, but on the perimeter, you know, that's rare you know that's audacious it's it's hard to double anyone there but the Mavs did it and they did it effectively they and and not only that they did it against Ant too the plan was clear like we're not letting Cat or Ant beat us on the drive which as Cat always says right it forces him to quote unquote make the right play which really means Cat and in this case Ant too they were forced to be passers in this game which it's either being a passer or just squaring up and taking a three over the defense before they get into the teeth of it. And in that setup, 
in the setup, particularly when cat or ant are going to be forced to pass, you know, that just puts the impetus on the other guys on the wolves to be cutters or spot up on the perimeter. And, you know, outside of cat and ant, there just wasn't much shot making out there tonight. The other guys outside of cat and ant only shot eight of 26 from three tonight. That's 30.7%. And it was just one of those situations where if the others would have been consistently getting clean looks and making them on the perimeter at a higher clip, Dallas would have had to switch up the defensive plan, which in turn, you know, would have cleaned up pathways for Cat and Ant to be able to attack the basket. But because they weren't hitting shots or they weren't finding cutters around those two consistently, you know, it just kind of ground the Wolves offense down into inefficiency. It reminded me, you know, kind of reminded me of some of those Clippers games earlier in the year. They had that one against the Magic too, is that stretch where they had just kind of effectively taken Cat away with a double and the rest of the offense is just kind of like pulling teeth from there, which tonight in turn, you know, leaves them only scoring 108 points for the game. And because of that, catching the loss, the Wolves just didn't get help from the others tonight. It, I guess this reminds me of a lot of different things because that part reminded me of the Memphis loss in Memphis earlier this season where they just got nothing from the bench. And not across the board, but for the most part, the bench did not deliver tonight for the Wolves. In the 37 and a half minutes that Cat played, the Wolves actually beat the Mavs by 11. So in the 10 and a half minutes that Cat rested tonight, the Wolves lost those minutes by 13 points. And it was the exact opposite case on the other side of the ball, where Luka Doncic played 38 minutes in the game. And when Luka was on the floor for those 38 minutes, the Wolves actually outscored the Mavs by seven. And in the 10 minutes Luca sat when he was off the floor, the Mavs won those minutes by nine. And there was there was a lot of overlap there in the non-Luca, non-cat minutes. So part of the reason the Mavs had success when Luca sat was because Cat, for the most part, was off the floor. But at the same time, the Mavs' other players just played better in those minutes than the Wolves others did. Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson did their thing in those minutes, but no cat out there. The Wolves the Wolves were not defending the rim. Dinwiddie shot 6 of 6 from 2 tonight, and Brunson was 5 of 7 from 2. Now, that wasn't all in the non-cap minutes, but definitely, definitely some of it was. I also wouldn't say the minutes with Luka on were bad minutes for the Mavs. The Wolves came out and dropped coverage against Luka in the first half, and he really picked it apart, mostly as a passer. So you look at the final box score, and Luka only has 15 points, but he was really dictating the Wolves' coverage. You know, He racked up 10 assists, also had a handful of hockey assists, just kind of penetrating, getting into the drop coverage, picking it apart, looking for corners, or looking for Dwight Powell on the lot. What I thought was interesting was the Wolves did switch their defensive coverage in the second half, after starting the game with Vanderbilt on Doncic in the second half, the Wolves eventually went to Patrick Beverly on Luka, but they also, in the second half, eventually went away from drop coverage. So it was Beverly on the ball, and they also got back to their aggressive high wall coverage with Cat up showing on the perimeter. The The audio for Cat uh, didn't really work on the Zoom tonight, but I did, I did ask him um, if they had to switch coverages at that point in the game. And 
And Kat's answer was, you know, that was, he said, it's hard to say. Uh, he pointed to Luca only scoring 15 points on the night, which suggests they contained him, which, you know, just technically true. But Kat did note that Dwight Powell was the one hurting them in that drop coverage on lobs and on the offensive glass. Powell, who is just somehow consistently a Wolves killer, shot a perfect eight for eight from the field tonight. He scored 22 points, also had three offensive rebounds. For me, I thought the game changed when the Wolves switched up the coverages in the second half. The first time they ran a high wall against Luka, Luka turned it over. Wolves are going down on the other end, and Luka commits a frustration foul on defense. Now, I'm sure there are tactical reasons that Finch and Nori decided to come out and drop and play it for really the first two and a half quarters of the game. I mean, Finch and Nori are smart. They must have figured that was their best bet on being the best defensive coaching maneuver they could have. But I really felt this was a game, particularly once the deficit got to double digits, where you just had to get up and play more aggressive in coverage. I mean, that that's the Wolves' comeback move, right? Or sometimes it's their move that distances the game, right? They generate turnovers, are able to make up the gap, or are able to turn a three-point lead into a 13-point lead, right? It's when the Wolves players are unchained in that coverage to be more aggressive, they generate some turnovers. And the Wolves did pull back into the game after they switched those coverages, right? Midway through the third quarter, that's when things got tight. Which I thought means, at the same time, it was a good adjustment by Finch, but also adjustment that was maybe a little bit late in this one. I asked Finch about the coverage shift after the game. Here's Finch. Chris, obviously, Luca puts you guys in in, in coverage a lot. It, it seemed like you... You switched up the coverage in the second half. Did you feel that that led to some defensive success for you guys in the second half? Yeah, we just needed to up our aggressiveness. You know, we were we were started the game in a in a drop, and he, you know, just we didn't have much impact right there. And then um, we just needed to, uh, you know, kind of up our aggressiveness. What did you want to see happen when you were in the drop? Is that just getting up into the ball handler? Yeah, for sure. We just needed a better pursuit. You know, I think that we weren't we weren't uh, able to kind of get back in front well enough and quick enough. That's a common refrain from Finch when drop coverage isn't working. Just talking about how the wings are not containing the ball. And I I understand that frustration that clearly happened tonight. But for me, I, I just think that 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 type of coverage is so reliant on ball containment. You know, a lot of the best teams who play drop coverage often don't do a good job of containing the ball. It's just, it's hard to consistently contain the ball for anyone. The difference with those other teams, though, is how their centers can kind of make up for that lack of ball containment when it's not there. You know, that's why Utah gets by with Gobert or Philly does with Embiid, because if they break down that initial coverage, it's still hard to finish through or pass around a Gobert or an Embiid or a Brook Lopez player like that. That's just not Cat's skill set, simply because he's significantly smaller than those guys. And with less size and drop coverage, it's easier for the ball handler to find the big for an alley-oop or find a kick out to the corner because you're, you know, your passing angles are just more open. Cat, Cat can't swallow up the guard in those situations. We, we know that. We've seen that for seven years. And when he's in, when they're, Unable to contain the ball and Cat is not there to swallow up the guard once they're penetrating, 
that's what leads to Powell making all eight of his shots at the rim. Or it leads to Reggie Bullock making six corner threes like he did tonight. I think I think Chris Finch is a very smart game plan coach, but he sometimes doesn't have the personnel to execute what might be the best plan that night. And generally speaking, I think that lacking personnel gets more exposed when the Wolves are in drop coverage, even if the opposing personnel suggests that's the best plan, which I think that's what Finch's assertion was tonight, that that was the best the best way to come at it. But it's just not always the best Wolves move, given their, given their personnel. They're just so much better at the high wall, and it just seems to me that that more ag- aggressive type of coverage inspires them. I thought it inspired them tonight. It got them going in the fourth quarter, right? That they, It was a 16-point deficit halfway through the third quarter, and by the time there was four and a half minutes left in the game, Patrick Beverly got a steal, transition three, and the game was tied at 99. We're going to take a quick break here and then come back and we'll go through what played out in those final four and a half minutes of tonight's game. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. And with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip steps to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. My personal biggest takeaway from using HelloFresh is two things. I'm eating healthier and fresher foods. And I'm saving time in the food prep process by not needing to go to the grocery store. HelloFresh cuts back on time spent in the kitchen so you can spend that time elsewhere with meals ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, quick and easy meals, including 20-minute recipes and low prep and easy cleanup options, provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save, on average, over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put towards other things in 2022. Go to HelloFresh.com slash more16. That's more16. Use code more16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash more16. And use code more16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' two-point loss in Dallas on Monday night. It was a game the Wolves fought in, not exactly a pretty fight, but they definitely did not lay down in this game, something they you know, certainly could have done when Dallas's lead got to 16 early in the third quarter. They could have they could have laid down there, but they cut that deficit down to five by the end of the third quarter. And as I mentioned before the break, they cut that lead all the way down to even after Patrick Beverly ripped Luca, went down to hit that corner three score was 99-99 after Beverly made that shot with four and a half minutes left in the game. After that, Max Kleba went down, made a free throw, made it 99 to 100. But then the Wolves kind of kept rolling. Malik Beasley had a big dunk the following possession. And the possession after that, Anthony Edwards got to the line, made both of his free throws. So it was Wolves 103, Mavs 100 with three and a half to go in the game. But that's where the Wolves offense just dried up. They only made one more basket in those final three and a half minutes. It was that big cat dunk on Luka that you, I'm sure you saw. But around that, you know, there there weren't any buckets. Beverly missed a three. Noel had a layup that kind of felt like the turning point. It was down, but it, it rimmed out. And still, even though the offense kind of dried up, the defense was holding up to some extent. So it's seven seconds left in the game. The Wolves had the ball. They were down three. Patrick Beverly caught it on the perimeter, gathered into a three-point shot in which he was fouled on. But the refs ruled that foul to be a non-shooting foul which put Beverly on the line for two three free throws rather than three, which was kind of killer when they were down by three. Uh, Finch was particularly peeved about that non-call after the game. Yeah. I mean, looking at the tape, I thought PB got fouled on the shot, which was a three-pointer. Should have been three on the right wing. Um, he was clearly in the gather in the turn, and I uh, thought that should have been uh, for sure a three-point shot. That shot only being worth two free throws strategically, you know, changed the fabric of the game from there because now if you're the Wolves, you need two possessions. Beverly did intentionally miss his second free throw and secure his own offensive rebound. The refs, the refs uh, initially blew the whistle that Beverly got fouled on that offensive rebound. Dallas challenged the play, got overturned, which led to a jump ball at half court. And at that point, there just wasn't enough time really to to get a three off, even though the Wolves did win the jump ball. It was just it was just too little too late from the Wolves and from the officials. I think just overall it was a game that left you kind of craving an immediate rematch, right? You'd like to you'd like to have a chance to to do that one over again, maybe make a couple of tweaks, some of the tweaks that they were making in the in the fourth quarter. But the good news for the Wolves is they do get that rematch back at home on Friday night. For our Forgotten Star of the Game today, presented by Forgotten Star Brewery, we're going to go again with Torian Prince. Prince had 17 points tonight on 16 shot attempts, which was a season high for him. 
Uh, not because Prince played poorly, but I, I do want to use this segment a little bit to acknowledge that this was the first game I felt the Wolves really missed Jaden McDaniels. Uh, Prince and Vanderbilt and Beverly and Edwards all fought on Luka defensively tonight, but you, you definitely felt McDaniels not being in the mix there. I mean, the plan against Luka always has to be to give him a variety of looks. Some good defense from McDaniels on Luka, in addition to what Prince provided tonight, I think that might have gone a long way. Also think McDaniels could have kind of posed an additional offensive threat tonight that might have, you know, could have pushed the Wolves over the edge offensively. Prince did provide the spot-up shooting in McDaniels' absence, but they could have used, I think, some of McDaniels' kind of in-between game offensively to attack that coverage we were talking about. Again, not in place of Prince, who played well, but in addition to him. All that said, though, for Wolves, for the Wolves and for Wolves fans, like, thank God for Torian Prince being here for this during McDaniels' injury absence. He's admirably filling that role on both sides of the ball. And it feels like he's, feels like Prince has kind of become the Wolves' most important bench piece here, which is, which is no small role on a team that basically, you know, kind of goes with the big three. And then it's kind of all a mix from there, you know, given how often they need someone to take on power forward minutes when Vanderbilt doesn't have it going, that power forward role that McDaniels is often filling quite the vacancy that, you know, Prince is now stepping up into. I just think with no McDaniels and with Vanderbilt more and more occasionally getting played off the floor as he was tonight, you really need Prince's presence. He might not be able to do it all himself, but Prince is giving this team good minutes where and when they need it. So we will go with Torian Prince as the forgotten star of tonight's game. And along those lines, another reminder that I will be at Forgotten Star Brewery hosting a Wolves watch party on this upcoming Sunday, March 27th. The Wolves play the Boston Celtics that evening at 5 p.m. local time. Forgotten Star will have the brewery set up for a Wolves viewing. I will be there. Britt Robson will be there. We'll watch the Wolves game together. Again, that game is at 5 p.m. So come down to Forgotten Star in Fridley that afternoon. Lock up a seat before the game Sunday, March 27th. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this one up with prize picks uh, for the most part because I knew I made three picks on Jared Vanderbilt. I've kind of delayed talking about Vanderbilt in this one. I took the over on six and a half points for Vanderbilt, the over on eight and a half rebounds for Vanderbilt, and the over on one and a half steals plus blocks for Vanderbilt. Whiffed on all three of those. Uh, I, I came into this one, obviously, thinking it would be a Vanderbilt game because I felt pretty confident that Vando would be Finch's preferred option on Luka tonight, thinking that would give him, you know, a lot of minutes. Uh, Vando was the first matchup on Luka, but Luka got Vando good. Three fouls in the first quarter uh, really limited Vanderbilt's minutes for the game. Even when Vando was out there on the other side of the ball, the Mavs were ignoring him in their defensive scheme so they could do that double cat and ant sort of thing. And eventually, uh, Finch just stopped playing Vanderbilt. He only played 14 minutes on the night after pretty clearly getting played off the floor by the Mavs. So not a good night to make three overpicks on Vanderbilt that uh, that all went under. But I think more importantly than missing these fake picks is the notion that Vando just has not been the fixture of the Wolves that he was earlier in the season. You know, definitely some of that has to do with lingering physical ailments that he has. But we're also seeing... Some old things pop up here, right? In 
offensively just making him less and less playable. And that's that's just getting ignored on offense is, is really killer. That's again, we've seen a recalibration here before. It's gonna need to be recalibrated again if Ando is gonna go back to being the impact player he was in the first half of the season. Finch has just pretty clearly gotten more comfortable with Prince at the four right now. Probably not to the point uh, where we're going to see a starting lineup shift coming, but I don't think that's, uh, I think that's more so about Prince fitting the bench unit more than it is about Vanderbilt fitting the starters related. You know, the Wolves starting as great as the Wolves have been since January 1st, the starting five has not been um, after having that, net rating of plus 50 the first few months of the season with the starters on the floor. The Wolves starters now have a negative net rating in the time since then. So I did get all three of my Vando picks wrong, but I got my two Dallas picks correct. I took the under on 49 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists for Luka Doncic, who finished with just 15 points, 10 assists, and six rebounds. And then I also took the over on five and a half boards for Dwight Powell, who finished with eight. So that was two and three on the night on these picks brings me to 152, 136, and 10 on the season. As always, if you or a friend are looking for a way to play some daily fantasy, Prize Picks has you. They will give you a $100 sign-up bonus if you sign up using the promo code Dane when you create an account. Promo code Dane at prizepicks.com or on the Prize Picks app. The loss to Dallas does pull the Wolves now two and a half games behind the Mavs for the five seed with just nine games left in the season. Uh, even though the Wolves do play Dallas again on Friday, that gap is just going to get uh, pretty hard to make up. Just not a lot of time left in the season. I think it's probably officially time to kind of focus in the hope on, on the sixth seed. And I do think even with the loss, the sixth seed is firmly in play. Entering the game tonight, both the Wolves and Nuggets were 42 and 30, and the Wolves had the tiebreaker over Denver. So the Wolves were the sixth seed, for a minute there, but now they find themselves one loss behind the Nuggets. Denver did not play on Monday, but they do play the Clippers Tuesday night on TNT. So we could be in a place come Wednesday night where the Wolves are again tied with the Nuggets if the Clippers are be able are able to beat them, which would be big because the Wolves have the best team in basketball coming to town on Wednesday. Um, yes, the Suns will be without Chris Paul, but haven't really been much worse for the wear without him. Booker has further stepped up in Paul's absence. And the rest of the Suns just kind of come at you in waves. They, they're they a legit team. I, I, watched, I watched Phoenix play in Sacramento on Sunday night, and the Kings kind of held a small lead on the Suns almost that entire game until Phoenix just out-executed them in the fourth quarter in overtime. And I think if I'm kind of picturing the game script of Wolves-Suns on Wednesday, I, I would... I think it probably goes kind of similarly. I think the Wolves will have a lead, but it will again come down to late game execution, which the Suns are very good at, but also the Wolves are probably more apt to deliver in late game than the Kings were the other night against the Suns. But we will cross that bridge when we get there. It's Phoenix at Target Center on Wednesday night, then Dallas at Target Center on Friday. A tough but not impossible roadway, at least they're at home. I'll be back to talk to you after that Phoenix game on Wednesday. We'll have Britt on the show on Thursday, Mavs at home on Friday, and Forgotten Star Brewery on Sunday afternoon. Till then, I'm Dane. Peace out.
How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah, yeah. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.